most. Now here is the host of the Shore Thing, Warren Shore. Welcome to the Shore Thing. I am your host, Warren Shore. Good to be with you here as we start off 2018. Little new outlook to the show. Gary has decided he is uh, no longer doing the show. He uh, had some, just a lot for him during the week. He woke up very early, wasn't catching that catching that many sporting events so he thought he would see if I wanted to do it and I couldn't turn down the opportunity so we appreciate Gary and everything he did I really enjoyed working for him we'll have him on the show a couple times though don't worry about that we'll still be in touch with coach but now I'm in charge I guess you could say and this weekend so the show we're just going to do the same thing national sports local sports little more emphasis on the DFW local sports thing. One thing I wish we could have done a little bit more, but that's all right. And then we'll, I'll bring in some guests each week. We'll have a guest co-host each week, probably some familiar voices you're, you'll hear. But the first uh, guest co-host this week is Ryan Silva. You've heard him before. He's been on a couple times when I have uh, filled in when Gary was out. So, Ryan, thanks for coming in on the first show. And also, congratulations on getting engaged just before the new year. Yeah, thanks. Starting the new year off right, I suppose. Excited to be here. Thanks for uh, having me on. I look forward to doing this many more times. But, yeah, let's get things started off right. Yeah, I know. We uh, Ryan and I have passionate discussions off the air, so hopefully we'll bring that to you on the air when we're hanging out or here up at the radio station. So we're going to talk in the first segment about the Mavs and the Stars. The second segment, we're going to look at the college football playoff uh, final that is, or the national championship game that is tomorrow. We'll take a little look back at the playoffs or the semifinals because we haven't been able to do so. We've been off for the last two weeks. And then the second half of the show is going to be all NFL. We're going to look at the Cowboys in the third segment. What went wrong this year for them? Just not the Zeke suspension, just what happened with Dak Prescott at quarterback, what happened with the defense, what are they going to do in the offseason? They have a couple key, key people on the defense that they're going to need to re-sign, which I don't think they can with the cap space they have. And then the final segment, we will look at the NFL playoffs, a couple of good games, and then a couple of clunkers. Um, I guess you could expect that from the Bills and Jaguars when they face off against each other in a playoff game. So that's going to be the show outlook. Uh, thanks for tuning in, but we'll get right in it with the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks have played a little bit better as of late. They started off not very good. They started off 2-14, and kind of the same type of start they had last year. Right now in the season, they're 13-27, and so playing just under 500 uh, basketball right now. They did they have lost their last two against the Warriors and the Bulls. They're playing tonight uh, against the Knicks. It is Derek Harper Jersey retirement night, so that is uh, that's a good that's a nice thing for Harp, who's on the broadcast. Uh, tip off against the Knicks is probably right about now, six o'clock there. But they lost to the Bulls, who played much better since Miritich came back from his facial fracture when he got in fight his teammates. And then they played the Warriors really tough, lost 125-122. But before that, they had a nice winning streak of four games against the Raptors, one of the top teams in the East. The Pacers played very well this year, the Pelicans, and then the Thunder. So four 
playoff teams, they've played very well against Ryan lately. What do you think has uh, been the difference, I guess, for the Mavericks? The, def- the difference to me definitely is having Dennis Smith Jr. on the floor. You know, he went through a stretch there where he wasn't playing a whole lot, but having that guy, even though he is young, kind of having him come in and lead the offense, take charge. And like you said, they've played a lot of uh, really good teams, really tough, you know, even if they don't come away with the win. Like you said, it took a last second three by Curry to put the Warriors over the top with them, uh, over the top of the Mavericks just a couple nights ago. But all in all, I think with the young talent they have, a lot of the up-and-coming talent, uh, I kind of feel like people have been saying this for the last couple years about the Mavs, you know, guys like Dwight Powell and a couple of other guys. Yogi Ferrell's kind of regressed and fallen back to a very nice reserve off the bench for Rick Carlisle to call upon. Uh, And you always have your your guys in there like Devin Harris, J.J. Barea to be able to take the lead. So it's kind of been just uh, your typical Rick Carlisle team where everyone has a role, everyone's been playing well in that role, and uh, it's just kind of come together like you said, better than what they started, but it's 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 on the upswing, I would say. Oh, and I think Dwight Powell, he's played really well. He's been he's a, one of my favorite man. He's been a nice uh everyone he's a nice coming out party, I guess you could say, for what role he's in. He's played a lot of energy off the bench, only seven points a game, but that's all right. And this is all too without Nerlens. Yeah. Like Nerlens was expected Nerlens Noel was expected to be a big part of the team this year after they got him last year from the Sixers. They gave up Anderson in the second round pick. Okay, not too much, but Ner- he's not doing. He's hurt now with his thumb, but before that he was in Carlisle's doghouse for so for pretty much the beginning of the season. So bad he's getting hot dogs from the media center. And let me tell you what, I've been to plenty of media centers. The hot dogs are average at best. I guarantee you they have better food in the locker room. Get you some nice fruits or whatever they have in there. It's better than the media hot dog. I can I can attest for that. One guy I don't think people are talking too much about is Maxi Kleber. He's yeah. kind of been a you know no name out of nowhere, and he's been playing big minutes and getting big buckets and playing well and you know really well actually for the Mavs. And he's kind of been an unsung hero for this team and coming along and starting to fill that role that they thought maybe Nerlens was going to uh, play. And he's been he's been a great uh, just another great guy. Like I said, just Rick Carlisle has a way to find these guys that he can just plug and play, and they do well in his system. He's a great coach. He's you know, even if he has these on paper below average teams, he gets the most out of his guys. And like you said, Nerlens was definitely in the doghouse for Car- for Carlisle. And it's been seen that if you do get in the doghouse for Carlisle, it's tough to come out of it. Dwight Powell did uh, see some of that last season. Yeah, well, and there was also rumors of a trade to get Julius Randle here, which I would have done. I think it was Nerlens for Randle. Oh, yeah, you got to pull the trigger on I that. thought I would have done that, but I don't know if that was true or not, just some reports out there. But Wes Matthews has played better as of late. Dennis Smith Jr., he's at first Carlisle really wasn't letting him learn on the court. He was teaching him more, and now he's throwing him in into these late-game situations. And he's been he's been pretty good, I think. He's got hops, though. Oh, man, I he mean, jump out he, of the building. He had the dunk. I can't remember who it was. He had a dunk this week, though, in one of the games I was watching. I mean, just right down vintage Westbrook, it looked like. Yeah. And he's he's got about 14 points a game this year, four rebounds, four and a half assists. Not bad. His shooting numbers are okay. I would say 40, 40% from the field. Got to get that up a little bit to about 45 or 46. Something three you po- expect from rookies, though. For sure. And 33% from three really wasn't known as a great three-point shooter coming out of uh, college. But right now they have the fourth-worst record in the NBA. So I would say that's good. Um, The draft, four or five really good players. I think the emergence of Trey Young at Oklahoma really makes the – the draft a little deeper. No, it sounds like a deep draft, but 
the top studs. Right. There's more of them than there's uh, Marvin Bagley from Duke, uh, Porter from Michael Missouri. Porter. He's who's my hurt. favorite guy coming out. Even if he is hurt, he's my favorite guy coming there's out. Even though a, Bagley has shown something. There's a dude from Croatia uh, who everyone loves. Can't remember his name. And a couple, uh, one other guy I can't remember, but um, you kind of want to get in the top five in the draft. And for me, competitive and then lose by three late in the game, that is the way you want to do it. I have no problems with the Mavs uh, doing that. They win a couple of these games, great. And you know what? When the Mavs win, the fans shouldn't be, oh, this is so bad. Why did this happen? You want a basketball game, and you cannot tell the players to go out there and lose because when you do that, Look at the Sixers. They have a team that should make the playoffs in the East. And those some of those players were told to lose, 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 lose. And it's not a big deal if you win. And now they're struggling when they have a team to make the playoffs. They're 10th, 10th in the East when they should clearly be in the playoff, in the top eight in the East. Yeah, I'm a big culture guy. When you have uh, a positive winning culture, I know it's it's one of the biggest cliches in sports, but it's it's true. It's evident. I, I coach two baseball teams, and whenever we go out and have a bad weekend, it's tough. You know, maybe lose three games that we play, and everyone just kind of gets down, and you don't have that winning culture, that winning mindset. And to flip the switch and be able to go and be prepared to play in these tough, you know, dogfight games that you have to play, you know, against the Warriors or even a couple weeks ago against the Spurs when they almost took them to the brink after beating them uh, just a couple days before that, you kind of don't, uh, like I said, you don't know how to flip that switch. These are pros. These guys know how to play ball. They know how to win. But at the same time, if you're not promoting that winning, uh, like I said, that winning feel, then it's hard to just, again, flip the switch and go to that. You you have to go out and give 110% the entire time. If your roster doesn't stack up to other rosters, hey, so be it. But at the same time, like you said, you 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 gotta you gotta be able to just go out there and win. You can't lose or throw up shots that you know you're not gonna make or whatever it may be to try to uh, lose on purpose or or tank. Because if you tank, your fans will probably end up throwing an 0 and 16 parade. <laughs> and trust me, that is something that you do not want to have to deal with. When we come back here on the short thing. We will get into the stars, how they're doing. They won six out of their last seven before they go in their bye week. And we will talk about the college football national championship game between Alabama and Georgia tomorrow night in Atlanta. We come back here on Talk Radio 1190. All right, we're back here on Talk Radio 1190, The Shore Thing. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on this Sunday night. Going to get right into the Dallas Stars. The Stars right now, so in the NHL, they have something that I think is good. They have a bye week. Every team gets a bye week going in in the season. So the Stars started their bye week today. They won't play again until they play the Avalanche at home Saturday night. They won last no- or yesterday afternoon against Edmonton. They won 5-1 to one against Edmonton. Edmonton, one of the top teams in the league last year, is really in a tailspin this year. And it's don't think they're going to make the playoffs, which is tough for me because I like watching Connor McDavid play, one of the best players in the NHL. But the Stars right now, they are in the first wild card spot with 51 points on the season. They are in the toughest division in the Central. And so the top three teams in the division make the playoffs, and then the, next, the two next best teams get in for the eight teams in the playoffs and they are fourth in the division but 54 points is what the third spot is in the playoffs so only three points behind Winnipeg uh, St. Louis and Nashville are both ahead there and Nashville was in the cup last year but 
Things, I think, are going well for the Stars. They've won six out of seven as they come in. Seems like things are really turning the corner under first-year coach head Ken Hitchcock in his time back. they Hitchcock said uh, the beginning of the year they were playing the way you wanted to play. They just weren't turning out results and getting some wins. Now the puck's starting to go their way. One of the big offense, or off-season acquisitions they made was Alexander Radulov. Him and Sagan paired together are – they're really fun to watch. Electric. They, they are electric. They see each other really well on the ice. They uh, had two goals, or they combined for a couple of assists and a couple goals yesterday. Seems they have a nice pairing together, and they have such good chemistry. They're going to Mexico for a little vacation during this bye week. I saw on Tyler's Instagram story yesterday, and then John Kleinberg defensively is really coming to his own, making. Uh, establishing himself as the top uh, defenseman on the blue line there, which helped because defense had always been an issue for the Stars the last couple of years. They haven't really been able to uh, have a top uh, defenseman, so Klingberg is turning that in. And then goalies, the Ben Bishop, he is uh, coming on nicely. They're a nice goalie acquisition. And Kari Lettinen as the backup is playing well. They both have uh, goals against around two and a half, and their save percentage are above uh, 90%, which is pretty good. So Stars right now are moving. I would say they're on the right track to make the playoffs again after a disappointing season last year when they didn't make the playoffs. When the year before, they were the number one seed in the Western Conference, and they made it to the second round and got beaten seven by the Blues. So things seem to be going well for the victory green at the AAC. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one of the biggest differences is the goalie play here for both Ben Bishop and Kari. Uh, both of them, especially Ben Bishop, he's in the top 12 in goals allowed, uh, goals against the average, excuse me. And, you know, last year they were one of the preseason favorites to come along and make the playoffs and make a nice deep run, and they just didn't do that. So Ben Bishop playing strong in the crease is good for him. And this is kind of you know, going to be one of those obvious things, but Sagan and uh, Jamie Ben are both leading in points. They're the top two in points, and that's what you want out of your two best players. You want them to be able to produce. If your two best players are producing at a high level, you're going to find success no matter what sport it is. And so that's definitely obviously helping those stars in this situation in this season. Yeah, and that was something that happened last year. Ben and Sagan had a little bit of a down year. Mm -hmm. It would have been a good year for a lot of other people, but when you're relying so heavily on those two guys, for them to have a down year, you're going to have a down year as a team, and that's what happened. But we'll keep an eye on the Stars as the season rolls on. Probably won't talk about them next week since they only had one game, but next couple of weeks we'll get back to the Stars. All right, tomorrow night uh, the college football playoff looks to crown a champion it doesn't seem to me like there's a lot of buzz around this game, and I think it's probably because the two schools are within like 300 miles of each other in the southern part of the United States and two SEC teams, and I think people are kind of tired of the SEC. Mm-hmm. Not that they've dominated college football in the last four years, I would say, since the college football playoffs started. Yeah, Bama's been in the playoff all four years, but the first year they lost uh, national champs then the year after, but they lost last year. So really it's been – Bama, the rest of the SEC hasn't been able to carry the load, but I just feel like there's some SEC fatigue in this one with it being Georgia and Alabama. Georgia with the double overtime win against Oklahoma, by far the best playoff game that has ever been played in the four years of the playoffs. And then Alabama just dominating Clemson, which I was kind of surprised about. Uh, I thought when the line came out and Alabama was favorite, I was – Surprised by that, I thought Clemson was the better team, and I thought Clemson with the points was going to be a lock. Definitely missed that one, but 
Alabama's defense just had no chance or had they had no chance of letting Clemson get anything going. And the one time they did get something going, Kelly Bryant then throws an interception and that's ball game. Absolutely. See, and I think, you know, it's kind of hard to compare apples to apples here in college football because the rosters are constantly turning over and it's almost a new team every season, you know, obviously without guys transferring or whatever it may be. But this goes to testament. We were talking about this when the game was going on. This goes to show how much Deshaun Watson was a game changer for Clemson because he had arguably two of his best college games against Bama, one of them coming up in a loss, the other one being a victory uh, last year in the national championship. So the quarterback play for Clemson, because they had the defense. All talk was uh, all season, their four four defensive linemen are going to be top picks in the draft. They're dominating, and they just, you know – they, 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 did their, they did their job, Clemson's defense, but when Kelly Bryant, like you said, is giving Alabama's offense more opportunities than they should, then Nick Saban, you know he's going to make the most out of those opportunities, whatever it may be. They don't always have the most prolific offense, Alabama, but still, they're going to capitalize on those opportunities that you give them, and that's going to separate the good teams from the mediocre teams. Not saying Clemson is mediocre by any means, because they were great all season, except for that one slip-up against Syracuse, but still, again, that just goes to show that you have to make the most of your opportunities, and Kelly Bryant definitely did not do that. No, and in the third quarter, okay, they were down 10-6, to six, mm-hmm. and they're driving, and you're thinking, okay, here we go. Here's a little offense. Here's a game going. And then, like I said, Bryant mm-hmm. throws the interception. Mm-hmm. They could never recover. They scored 14 points in 14 seconds, and you knew yeah. it was church after that. Uh, but And Alabama, too, the big thing, too, they had a month off, and they were really banged up in November when they squeaked by Mississippi State. Probably should have lost that game. And then when they got – manhandled against Auburn. They had a ton of injuries. They got Jennings back, number 33, who was all over the place, but he's out this game. So I think that's a big uh, loss for them on the defense. But just the rest of getting healthy and then Saban with his, oh, no one thinks we belong here. You're the favorite, okay? You're the favorite to win no matter what, even you're in here. So good for you trying to hype your team up with that. Okay, I understand how it goes. You don't think you should have belonged. The the people say they don't belong. Everyone agreed you should have been in there, except if you were wearing scarlet and gray that should have said Ohio State was in. Now you had no quality wins that should have uh, validated you being in there. The only thing was you lost once. So that's a, that's an argument for like three weeks ago. <laughs> but now they're going against Georgia. Georgia's run offense, that's what they're going to do against Alabama's defense. I don't understand. I don't see how Georgia is going to be able to put many points on the board if the Alabama defense plays as well as they did against Clemson. Absolutely, and like I, I will not be shocked if this is your, you know, stereotypical SEC game. You know, ten to six final. Or remember that LSU Alabama game a couple of years ago? That was the national championship. It was like six to three or something. No, that like was that. it was nine to six in overtime. But the championship game was twenty one nothing. Oh, okay, okay. So the nine to the six game yeah. of the century. Yeah. was was nine to six nine in to overtime. Six. I will not be shocked if that's another game like that, like you said, because Georgia relies heavily on that run game as they should. Their game, their running game is unreal, and just the sheer pure manpower and greatness of Alabama's defense, you know, goes year in and year out. Having Minka Fitzpatrick back full strength for having that month off. It's going to be a knockdown, drag out bloodbath, I think. And I won't be surprised if it doesn't hit the over of 45. I'll be surprised if it's, you know, half of that. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a lot of points scored. It's not definitely not being 54-48 like Georgia played against Oklahoma. And Oklahoma really blew that. Lincoln Riley called a great first half, and he got – I don't know what – I don't want to say he got scared, 
But man, he changed the whole play calling in the second half. Maybe Baker with the when he took a offensive or a defensive lineman's knee to the ribs. Yeah, that limited was brutal. Him. I saw that man. When I thought he broke it for sure. That has a hurt. There's no way he was hundred percent after that. But something was not right with Oklahoma in the second half of that game because I thought Oklahoma was going to win it all. The offense was the best offense in all of college football this year. I didn't think anyone was going to be able to stop it. And then Georgia. They's, I was watching the coaches, so ESPN has all these different broadcasts. They have their normal broadcast, then they have these coaches, then they have celebrities just talking like you'd be doing on the couch during the game. So I was watching the coaching broadcast, and they were saying, hey, bring another guy in the box against Oklahoma, keep one safety high, and that will do it. And they did that, and it stopped uh, Oklahoma's offense. So Tomorrow night on ESPN News, I think it is, they'll have the coaches film. They'll have like six coaches in there, break down the game. Fascinating to watch, and you will learn a lot. And it is amazing to me how they run the play. They just watch it on the camera. The the uh, They watch it on the All-22 camera. Instantaneously, as the play is done, they're already saying, all right, this, this, is, what, this is what they should have done there, this and that. It is amazing to watch, and it really shows you how little football you really know. If you don't, if you're not a big X's and O's guy, and you're not like, a football oh, guy. not a f- true football guy. These are real true football guys. It shows you that you're really, you're like, oh, do you know what a single high safety is or a two man, two under, and all this stuff? It's like, man, the fact that they could get it from just split seconds after is pretty fascinating to watch. Absolutely, honestly, I think one of the turning points of that game, and it was still early. I, I'll hesitate to call it a turning point, but it definitely was significant. Was the kickoff? Oh yeah, the squib kick. The squib yeah. kick. I did not understand. You kick it deep, there was what, maybe seven seconds left? Seven, uh, yeah, seven or eight seconds left. And it gave Georgia just enough time to run one play and kick the field goal and make it a closer game, obviously, by scoring points. That's usually what happens when you score points. The game becomes closer. But it just kind of changed the whole outlook for Oklahoma and for Georgia because Georgia was right in striking distance right after that field goal kick. And so I really didn't understand that. There might be a rookie head coach mistake. It might have been a... Uh, just a missed squib kick by the kicker. They talked to to uh, the OU head coach right after that, and they asked, you know, what was the thinking behind that? And he said, I didn't want to put the ball directly in someone's hands. I wanted to, you know, let the ball bounce around a little bit. Maybe somebody that isn't used to handling the ball can pick it up, and we could get, uh, you know, so maybe a loss of yardage or whatever it may be. But at that time, you just got to kick it deep, let the clock run out. You go back to the locker room and regroup and go from there. But you know, like I said, that 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 one was kind of puzzling to me. I didn't really understand it, but hey, that's why I'm sitting here and Lincoln Riley's where he's at. Well, that guy made a great play, too, just putting his hands out there to catch it. Mm-hmm. Like, that was an amazing play that someone could do that. So, that that was such an athletic play to do that. All right, before we go to break, who do you have tomorrow night in the game? I have Bama. I begrudgingly have Bama as well. I'm <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't go against Nick Saban in no. a game like this. And Kirby Smart, former Nick Saban assistant, Saban against his assistants when he's coached at Alabama 11-0. and mm-hmm. And I don't think it's going to – be that one because in the national championship game, you're going to lose to a true freshman quarterback and one of your assistants. In his first year as a head in coach? His second year. Oh, second year. That's right. Second year. You're right. I'm, re- I'm not really buying it. So begrudgingly, I think it's going to be Bama. But I hope Georgia wins just because of that. All right. When we come back here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190, we will get into the Cowboys. What went wrong this year for the Dallas Cowboys? When we come back on Talk Radio 1190.
Warren Shore here and Ryan Silva as we are on Talk Radio 1190 on the Shore Thing. Thanks for tuning in for the debut show. Uh, so the Cowboys, kind of a disappointing, not kind of a disappointing, it was a disappointing season as they went 9-7 and seven and really a nice barn burner the final week of the season, uh, week 17 when they won 6 nothing against the Eagles. But after their loss against the Seahawks, the season was over, so nothing is more exciting than an uh, NFL game that means nothing, and both teams really don't care about it as they try to avoid injuries they head into the offseason. For me, the bigger okay, the Zeke suspension and that whole thing is definitely the biggest problem situation of the Cowboys season. Gary and I both said when we were on the show that I said – and Gary agrees with me that six games, take it off the bat, and then clean slate when you come back for that sixth game. Why risk them implementing the suspension in the middle of the season? I think the Cowboys thought that it was never going to make it. The suspension was never happening this season. They were prolonging it to be next year because Jerry saw how the team played last year and was like, this year we are a Super Bowl contender, which I Kind of agree with they were a Super Bowl contender, but with that defense, I don't really. Uh, that was my biggest question with them. So I understand where Jerry is coming from, but just take the six games at the beginning. Okay, I know Zeke says he's he says he's innocent and wanted the innocence, but I just still don't get why they didn't take it at the beginning of the year. It was the sh- cloud over the team every single week, and then in the most crucial part of the season, week. Uh, what was it, week 10, mm. the suspension comes down, and you're down in the home stretch of the season. The offense was cooking, not with gas, but they were just cooking <laughs> the entire season, that stretch when he came back, and it just ruined the team. And then they lost three in a row. They get killed on Thanksgiving against the Chargers, and then they can't recover from it. They tried to salvage it with three wins in a row, but the team was behind the eight ball after that Thanksgiving loss. Absolutely, and I could not agree more. Zeke should have just taken this, you know, from week one and gone. Because even worst case scenario, you go zero and six. Teams have started zero and six and made the playoffs, so maybe that's not true. But you you can you can recover from a rough start and still capitalize on the latter half of the season. Like you said, they come down, that suspension comes down, they drop three straight, right off the bat, and you can tell Prescott threw for he didn't even throw for 180 yards in those first three games. That's tough. A lot of his passing yardage last season came from you know his little dump offs to Zeke, and Zeke would break another 10, 15, 20 yards after that, and he was kind of his safety valve. And not having Zeke to prolonged drives. That's one of Zeke's best qualities as a runner is he can prolong drives, whether it is as a pass catcher or getting those tough short yardage downs or even just breaking a long run for the Cowboys when they need it. And another thing too, coming off of last season, the defense was playing better. You guys had like you had guys like David Irving coming out of nowhere and just playing, you know, out of his mind. And obviously you didn't have he still had a pretty decent year. He was serving well, suspension of his late, own. And then he got yeah. a concussion late. And, uh, I mean, you still had uh, DeMarcus Lawrence come on and have 15, 14 and a half sacks, so he played well. Sean Lee stayed healthy for most of the season, and that was that's that's the biggest key. It's unreal, the splits of when Sean Lee's on the field versus off. I'm sure that's been, you know, talked about yes. over and over and over again. But, it, like you said, it was it was shocking how 
just extremely average the Cowboys wore, were. Des Bryant, I think he's a, a number two wide receiver at best. I don't think he's the guy or anything like that. If he goes to any other team, it's it's tough to put him as the guy, and he was a big-time letdown, struggled with a lot of drops in a lot of key situations, and he, Pair that with a young uh, quarterback in Dak, although he was prolific in his freshman year. The, you know, he—I wouldn't even say he had a sophomore slump. It was just, you know, tough going. It's the NFL. It's it's tough to succeed in this in this league. Yeah, there's. So last year, I was looking at the splits. He only had two games above 300 yards passing last year. He mm-hmm. had the same amount this year. Look, that the recipe for Dak to, for the Cowboys win is not have Dak throw over 300 yards, right. but still. This year is quarterback rating 86.6. Last year, 104.9. Just uh, yards per attempt are down a couple yards. Every stat, interceptions, way up 13 to 4. And what teams did this year is they took away Beasley and Witten in the middle of the field. And we're like, all right, Dez, let's see if you can still beat us. Obviously, that is not the case. He could not beat anyone. Terrence Williams will run free for a couple games, if that. And then Noah Brown or Bryce Butler or any of the other spares they have for a wide receiver will be out there and try and beat them, and they couldn't do it. And at Mississippi State, I watched a lot of Dak. And throwing the ball, he made a lot of improvements throughout his career. But still, that was one of his struggles was throwing the ball deep down the field. And it crept up again this year. And I, is that coaching? Is that something? Because, look, Alfred Morris is a capable back when he came in. They still ran the ball well. Yeah. And, okay, obviously when Tyron Smith went out, that really hurt him because he had no pressure and any quarterback with no line and no time to throw is going to be bad. That's just a given in the NFL. And same with your running game. Your For running sure. game's not going to be able to get established with a terrible line. I mean, that's that's obvious as well. But I but you were hoping for Dak to elevate everyone else on the offense to take to still win games when Zeke went out. See, he's not that type of guy. No, I, I, I know, and that's is... why he was taken in the fourth round. Yeah. But that's what everyone's expectations last year when you things change in the NFL when you lead a team to go thirteen and three. They forget you're in the fourth round, and now people are like, oh. He's in the fourth round. He's got this and that. You know what? He won 13 games last year as a rookie. I don't care how he did it. And I know Zeke's out, but lead me to victories. And the second halves that they played this year in those three losses, awful. Like, terrible. I watched the worst team in the league this year play football. I think the Browns could have beaten them in a stretch of those three games. I am not kidding. Like, they were so inept. They would get. They scored under double digit points in three games, two games in a row. Mm-hmm. Like that is terrible. Yeah, no, terrible. absolutely. Yeah, I think Dak is like I said. He what he does, he does really well. But he can't throw the deep ball. He's not one of the guys. No, you know, one of these. I would even say top 10 guys that will lead you down the field and lead you a long, sustainable drive without that running game, without Zeke. I was even surprised that Zeke didn't win Rookie of the Year last year. I thought he was the Rookie of the Year over Dak, but obviously if your team's going to be successful, the quarterback's going to reap most of those benefits. But like you said, I mean, Dak Prescott to me is very much an Alex Smith type. He's going to he's going to make the smart throw. He's going to make the right play. He's going to make the play with his legs if he needs to, but he needs that solid running game, and he needs an option over the middle of the field, short to mid-yardage, to bail him out because he's not going to beat you deep. And with these wide receivers that the Cowboys have, they're not going to beat you deep. Yeah, you can throw a jump ball up to Dak, or excuse me, to Dez with if you know you're in the red zone or whatever. And I guess seven out of ten times he's probably going to come down with it. But still, that's just not the type of offense that the Cowboys have right now. And I, I know this is probably going to be one of those you know blanket statements or whatever. But 
I think it's time for the Cowboys to move on from Jason Garrett. Oh, yeah. He's a good sure. coach. He's a good coach. What he does, he does really well. Again, I know, again, that's another cliche. Is he really a good coach, though? He's a good – they say he's a good X's and O's guy, but, but when it comes to in-game adjustments, he doesn't know his head from his shoe. You he's know won, what I mean? like, one playoff game here. Absolutely. Or two. Is yeah. he really that good a coach? Because uh, he's, he's good at prepping his guys, they said. He's good pre-game. Okay, great. Is he a good in-game coach? Because no. no, I don't think so. And he's already been here, what, seven, eight years? Yeah. And it's one of those things where things just get sour. Sometimes it doesn't work out. You know, sometimes the relationship with the hot girl doesn't work out. you got to move on. You need a change of voice, too, in the locker room. Yeah. Saw something on Twitter today. Since 1996, the Jacksonville Jaguars have six playoff wins. Wow. The Dallas Cowboys have two. Yeah. Okay? So... Good for the Jags. Uh, yes, no, great for the Jags. <laughs> I was stunned by that. Yeah, that's a telling three. statement. That is a, such a telling statement. And, yeah, it's time for Garrett to go. I Kellen Moore, they named as a quarterback coach. Total head scratcher. That's a Jason Garrett guy. That's a Jason Garrett move. Well, it's just, you know what I mean? He does what he's sure, a good scout team court, quarterback. Why or is he the – has he – okay. Can you not bring someone else in to be a quarterback coach? Like, I do not – Kellen Moore? Guys with experience at the no, NFL, I mean, yeah. you shoot even the college level. And you're going to bring Scott Linehan back? I don't get that. I don't get why some of these guys are coming back. But With they, this all-pro all pro offensive line that they have, they should have more success than not. I mean, the offensive yeah. line is is huge. You know, you know, not allowing that pass rush, not allowing your running backs to get a little more time, a little more whatever. And with that, it's just, like I said, you you got to move on, in my opinion. Well, and the thing, too, is Demarcus Lawrence is a free agent this year on the defense. The defense is already thin. Mm. So with Lawrence a free agent, Hitchens a free agent, you got to franchise one of them. Probably going to franchise uh, Lawrence because D linemen make more money. Hitchens, I mean, who says he's not out of, um, he's not out of here? You get a nice big offer from him. Yeah. And, okay, Roquan Smith from Georgia. Watch tomorrow night the linebacker number three. He's a guy you were hoping to get at 19. Well, you won three games. You won the last game. It cost you three draft spots, 16 to 19. He keeps playing like he did. He's working himself into the top 10. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of holes. Like, hitch. I mean, there's so many holes to fill on the defensive side. And it's just, oh, there's, like, they just really – I mean, they with the Zeke suspension, I think they just really missed it this year. They had a chance if he would have served at the beginning, and they just t- didn't take advantage of it. And, like, Witten, highest-paid tight end in the league. He's a, he, he's a f- refrigerator. He's great. <laughs> and I'm not – this is nothing against Jason Wynn. The guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He's awesome. But, I mean, he takes – he catches a ball, and he takes two steps, and he gets tackled. Yeah. He's That's just what he is. He just stands at the first down markers exactly. and hope he hopes he falls forward in the right direction. And another thing too, I mean, there was huge talk around all the draft picks that the Cowboys made on the defense coming into this season. Taco Charlton, Shadobia Woozy. Uh, I mean, obviously Jalen Smith. The last few games that he played, he played really well, and he looks like a real bright spot in a, a building block that you can pair him and Sean Lee. Yeah, with, but he's know. still got a lot of oh, a I, lot of holes. Absolutely, not not denying that at all. But I'm just saying their their draft picks that they had coming in. A lot of those guys, Jordan Lewis. They, I don't think they performed to the level that everyone was hyping them up, especially coming off the uh, previous season, a 13-3 season, like, oh, well, we just improved the defense, which was kind of the downfall of, of our season. And like I said, with those guys not producing to where it, they were expected, it's kind of like a, I guess, a smokescreen kind of foggy view on this entire team. Yeah, no, it's definitely a foggy view on the team <laughs> as they go forward. Free agency is a big question. 
I mean, everything's a question, and there's I, definitely more questions than answers for right sure. Now. And I would say that's not what you really were hoping for uh, at the end of this season, especially since you since they didn't make the playoffs. All right, when we come back for our final segment here on the Shore Thing, we will look at the NFL playoffs. One of the games is coming down to the Wire Saints and Panthers. We'll have that and more on Talk Radio 1190 right after this quick break. All right, back here on the Shore thing with Warren Shore and Ryan Silva. I'm your host, host Warren Shore, and boy, quite a barn burner coming down to the wire. Saints, Panthers. The Panthers have the ball with about 40 seconds left. They are down six, and they have the ball in the Saints territory at around the 30. Pardon me, they're down five with 45 seconds left. 21 yard line. One of the best games of the playoffs. So, Ryan, why don't you lead us through what happened with the AFC playoffs yesterday in the Titans and Chiefs game? Well, there's not much to say. I mean, Kansas City got off to a roaring start, uh, jumped up early on Tennessee, went into the half 21-3. You're thinking, this game's a wrap. You know, there's no way a young team like the Titans with Marcus Mariota, he's not really that guy that's going to lead you down the field. Again, another long, sustainable drive type guy that's going to be able to just keep getting yardage. He does have the big playability with his legs, but Kansas City's defense, you know, they're always right up there in top defenses. And then, slowly but surely... Tennessee's just chipping away, chipping away. They come out of halftime, you know, cut the lead out. They score a touchdown, goes up 21-10 is the score. And I don't know about you, but every time I saw Kansas City get the ball, I was like, okay, here they are. They're going to score. They're going to put this game away. They're going to score. They're going to put this game away. And slowly but surely, they just didn't. They could never just get over that brink and score again because I think it just took maybe another touchdown. I mean, obviously, look at the final score. You can say that, but another touchdown, and that would have sealed the game. Maybe even another field goal would have sealed the game and put the game out of reach for uh, Tennessee and Marcus Mariota. Derrick Henry had a great game on the ground. I mean, that guy, he's going to be another really good back in this league. 156 yards on 23 attempts, a touchdown. Travis Kelsey, him going out midway through that game, absolutely crushed the, the Chiefs. He's kind of one of those guys, much like a, a Jason Witten here for the Cowboys, where he just finds that first down marker. He, he's got some big playability to himself, too. But he just, that, him going out kind of handcuffs Alex Smith. He, he, you know, doesn't have all, obviously all his weapons, so that's going to hurt. But you know, I don't. I, I it, it was just baffling to me, and it's kind of Andy Reid's mo. He just sometimes he gets to the playoffs and he can't win that big game. He just can't get past that brink and get you know to the finish line. Yeah, there are some questionable. I thought it was over when they scored before the half. They just got away from the run. Yeah, absolutely. Run like was I said, they just uh, Kelsey. <sighs> Kelsey losing Kelsey, I think was huge. Oh, totally eliminated their whole passing game. Yep. But just run it with Kareem Hunt. But, all right, whatever. Okay, so they're out. The Titans are moving on to face the Patriots. Patriots do struggle with mobile quarterbacks. Mariota better get on the run. But in Foxborough at night, yeah, no chance. Yeah, it's a wrap. I'd, I'd say Patriots by 50. <laughs> okay, I wouldn't go Patriots by 50. But, yeah, I, I don't want to say no chance, but very little chance. No chance. Very little chance. I'm pulling for the Titans. But I don't think they can do it. The other AFC game today, Bills Mafia still has to wait for a touchdown in the playoffs. That drought goes on, even though they were in the playoffs. Um, and the Jackson, I mean, that game was ugly. Jacksonville won 10-3. to 
And the score, the touchdown that Jacksonville had was kind of. I, don't know I didn't scratcher. think it was a catch. Yeah, I just. I felt tough. like banging my head through a table watching that game, <laughs> not jumping through a table, banging my head through a table. But that's what you expect in a Jags Bills playoff game. Absolutely. I mean, a ten to three slugfest. Now I do think the Jags are dangerous though going forward because the defense. Uh, oh yeah, so good. As long as Blake Bortles can protect the ball and play well enough, I mean, we've like saw... I don't think he's going to play this bad going forward. I, I don't think so. Either. I mean, the Bills have a good defense of their own, uh, and the the Jags aren't getting a break coming up next week either. But still, as long as they can take care of the ball and keep pounding it with Fournette, that guy is unreal as well. This, as much as you want to say the league is a passing league right now, there are some fantastic running backs that are up and coming right now. For sure. That's can kind of do it all and we saw that with Fournette uh, all season how, how great he was and how much he meant to this team but yeah this this Jacksonville Saxonville as it's been renamed with Malik Jackson Clayus Campbell uh, you know all those guys up front and then obviously you have uh, AJ Bouye and, and Jalen Ramsey's on the on the outside who Jalen Ramsey came up with the game ceiling interception those guys are locked down corners as it is right now as well Jalen Ramsey's so fun to watch I know a lot of Cowboys fans wanted him between him or him or Zeke to me, I still think you got to lead, lean with the cornerback because you can get good running backs in the third round that turn out to be like really, really good. Um, but man, he's so fun to watch. I mean, to, I am anti Patriots in the Super Bowl, tired of it, but I also don't want the Steelers to make the Super Bowl. I don't really have the belief in Blake to lead the team to the Super Bowl, but. You realize you're hinging your hopes on either Tennessee or Jacksonville. Yes, look, it. I not, just want to make sure that we're the clear hopes. On that. First of all, those I, these teams actually win games, so any team that can win a game is a good team by by my standards. Yeah, true. The way we were the la- this year and even going to last year, but yeah, no, the hopes and dreams to not have either of those teams in the uh, Super Bowl as the AFC representative are slim to none. But and it's going to be interesting if Antonio Brown comes back too next week. But I think he they will. Said he's going to be 100%. He's I know. Okay. Jalen Ramsey. That's going to be fun. They That's gonna be drilled fun. the Steelers the last time they played them. Roethlisberger threw five picks. Mm-hmm. So interesting there. Over in the NFC, the Rams probably did what everyone expected, just struggled on the stage last night. The Falcons won 26 13. Really nothing special from the Falcons. They still looked like they were stuck in mud. But, look, they play the Eagles. I think everyone expects them to beat the Eagles next week, as as do I. Right back in the NFC Championship game against either the Saints, who won 31-26 just now. Great ending. Um, and then – or the Vikings. So Vikings are my pick. I think they're. I think it's going to be a hometown Super so? Bowl. Yeah, the, what they're doing with their defense, with yeah. what Case Keenum's been able to do, uh, you know, leading that team, and even uh, with their running game with Jarek McKinnon and um, uh, Jarek McKinnon and uh, who's who's the other uh, Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray. They've been able to pick up right where Dalvin Cook left off. You know, maybe not to that extent, but that that two headed monster's done really well. And I mean, and obviously Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen on the outside are two great wide receivers. Adam Thielen's probably one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's that guy just. He, he's 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 a, I would love to have him on my team any any day. Well, the and Saints Kyle Rudolph as well. Yeah, the Saints won. Okay, so they won thirty one twenty six. The Panthers had the ball as they said they are at the twenty one yard line with like forty seconds to go. Threw to the end zone three times, didn't get anything. Uh, looked like there could have been called pass interference on the third down play in the end zone, so that would have put the ball at the two. Didn't call it. Then on fourth down with like ten seconds left, Cam got sacked. They just brought the house. The Panthers couldn't block, and they lose. So the Saints move on. I think the Saints are going to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. they The offense is so good. 
The defense is also really good, but they do just enough with Lattimore, their first-round cornerback from Ohio State, Michael Thomas. The fact that Michael Thomas was taken in the second round of the draft unreal, over Dodson, Coleman, Easy. Latavius Murray. Hey, I'm in there too. Yeah. Or not Latavius Murray. Uh, L- Treadwell. Yeah. I mean, these guys. And Michael Thomas, Top. he's a top five, six receiver in the game right now. I put him there. I mean, he is so good, so effortless. Ted Ginn out there, somehow, Still guy seems it. like he's like 80 years old. I mean, you just can't teach Cleveland speed. <laughs> I must have not got it, but if you can't teach it, I was never taught it, but he's got it. And Ted Ginn with the Cleveland speed still out there. And Breeze, I mean, Breeze and Peyton, Sean Peyton, I, I like them. I think they're going to – I thought they're going to – I think they're going to win it going – I picked them to win it going into the playoffs. I think this Minnesota-New Orleans game is going to be the best game of the 2017 playoffs Well, it's in the tough NFL. to beat this. I know you didn't see a lot of the Saints-Panthers game. It's going to be tough to beat this one. Um but, yeah, the NFC playoffs clearly better than the AFC playoffs. The NFC is more deep. The AFC, it's the Patriots and everybody else. Yeah. Patriots up top, then the Steelers, like, a step behind, and then everybody else. Everybody else. Yeah. And then the NFC is more stacked together. Def- definitely the Eagles, no, sh- no chance with Wentz out. You think no chance? No chance. Wow. No chance. Have you seen Nick Foles play the last oh, two absolutely, games? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. The, fir- <laughs> the no. first game he played, he looked good. Mm-hmm. Threw like four touchdowns, looked, looked like a competent quarterback. Now, no chance. Even with how Atlanta's playing, no chance. No chance. Wow. Would you rather in a playoff game have Matt Ryan well, or I mean, Nick that, Foles? That goes without saying, absolutely. Well, I'm telling you, that's what I think. All right. I mean, hey, I, I, I agree that it's probably going to be the Falcons in the NFC Championship, but to write off the Eagles and say no chance, they've been playing. I mean, obviously, all, a lot of that con- was contingent on Wentz being healthy and playing, but I, I still think the team around uh, Nick Foles and the job that Doug Peterson's done with that team, that, hey, I mean, I, I, I would give it maybe, you know, 60-40 chance at the very lowest, maybe even 55 They have a 45. really good defensive line, and if the Fletcher Cox, Fletcher and, Cox is unreal. and Eric Barnett, those guys going after the quarterback, Malcolm Look, Jenkins. I really like Malcolm He's, Jenkins. Yeah. Another Buckeye. There you go. Oh man! Uh, do that? <laughs> um, Look, they they if the defense is able to get after Matt Ryan, but I just don't think they can score enough points. Yeah, to be able to keep. And I know the Falcons just haven't been clicking, but you know what? I still would rather have them than Nick Foles and what and whoever Nate Sudfeld. If they go to like, it sounds like they could go to him if Foles is playing bad in the first quarter, which to me makes no sense. Right. But I think the NFC playoffs to me, it's going to be the Saints and the Falcons in the NFC Championship game, and that Saints to the Super Bowl, and then against the Patriots, I probably sink, and then I hope the Saints beat the Patriots. Hey, I mean, it obviously can happen, but I, I really like Minnesota. I really like what they do. They don't turn over the ball a whole lot. They control the ball. They make big plays when they need to. Their defense is good. Xavier Rhodes, that guy is unreal. He is he's good. another He's another top corner. Uh, I just don't – I mean, what? Who, who's a, who's a uh, wide receiver other than Antonio Brown in the AFC that – you think can get the best of Xavier Rhodes because that's what you're going to have to. It's got to be your best guy beating their best guy sure. when it comes to this. When it comes to this time, it's well, that, of, uh, yeah, we're season. getting way ahead of ourselves talking about potential true, true. Super Bowl matchups. But let's hope the playoffs are about as good as they were this week because there were some good games. Yeah, look, there are close games. The Rams Falcons game was okay. The Rams score here. We're you're in it with a ball game. It mm-hmm. wasn't out of. It was one of those. It can get close, but it's not a blowout type of games. But 
The Saints-Panthers game was phenomenal. The Titans game was good in the second half. Mm-hmm. And then the Jags-Bills game was close. Right. And that's all you can ask for. You just want close playoff games as you come down the stretch. Only the real football guys liked that game. <laughs> yeah, that was, look, that was... That, that was, was a grindhouse. That, that was, was not <laughs> easy on the eyes. That was an AFC North football game with teams that were not in the AFC North, except for one of them that's off the shores of uh, – that could be in the AFC North if they ever rechanged the divisions. I, they could be looking. You <laughs> no, put I, a, I get what you're saying. Cleveland, I, Buffalo, Cincinnati, or Detroit, and you're – you're, there's an AFC North. Just call it the Rust Belt, and there we go. <laughs> Grind it out football all the time. And if that ever happens, the Bills will have to root against Andy Dalton. Yeah. But that, good for them good for, for them. putting in all the time or the money and charity to Andy Dalton. And let's not forget the Buffalo Wings. And the Buffalo Wings <laughs> going to Cincinnati. And as someone who's been to Buffalo, the Buffalo Wings – are pretty good. So never go wrong with Buffalo Wings. No, you can never go wrong with Buffalo Wings. So that is going to wrap it up for our first show here on The Shore Thing on Talk Radio 1190. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for having for coming me. coming on. You will definitely hear way more from Ryan as we continue with the show. I am your host, Warren Shore, and we will see you next week. Have a great week, everybody.